0: Welcome to Restored Life Radio. At Restored Life, we believe you were created for a great purpose with great promise and provision. That's why we're here. We're here to help you overcome the obstacles that keep you from the pinnacle you were meant for. And now, here's our Restored Life coach, Dwayne Wolfe. I want to talk a little bit more about confession tonight uh, and kind of the importance of confession. Uh, This is one of the... This is one of the transformational keys that we really believe is biblical it's powerful uh, it's important and of course we're going to look at it from a biblical perspective tonight and from a biblical view but the the psychology of speech uh, is a very powerful thing now I want to look at it not from so much the psychological angle but the theological angle in that. Uh, speech or words are actually spiritual. And if you were here last week, this was what the lesson was on. Uh, but for the sake of this is what I want to do, I'm going to repeat myself a bit. And we'll just delve into some of this a little bit tonight. Because uh, I really think that we can't get enough of this topic. Uh, it is good to get this topic. If we go over to James chapter 3, uh, James chapter 3 tells us that we actually lead or control the pathway of our whole being with our speech. So that's pretty powerful. We actually lead or control the pathway of our whole being with our speech. And actually, James, this is the brother of Jesus writing. So we'll go over to James if you've got a Bible. I don't know where this is in your lesson sheet. Uh, It might be there. Let's look and see if it is. Uh, it is actually on the second page of the first thing that we handed out to you. Second page of the first thing we handed out to you is James chapter 3, so we can read it right off of that sheet. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put bits into the horse's mouths, so they may obey us, we direct their entire body. Behold, ships also, though they are great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue. So also the tongue. So this is interesting. James, we believe that he is writing through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, We believe he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's saying that tongue is, the tongue is like a rudder to a ship. And what's interesting here, he says that, that uh, though there might be other forces playing into the direction of a ship, like very strong winds, Course, this is written in maybe eighty fifty, let's say, we're guessing. So this is written a long time ago. We're not talking about diesel powered ships, turbine powered ships, nuclear powered ships. We're talking about wind driven ships. So there's forces, yes, ma'am. If we just think about how powerful our words are, though, um And let's just take this illustration of James, who's writing by the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, the brother of Jesus, who grew up with Jesus uh, and then saw him for 40 days after the resurrection and then saw him ascend. James would have been in the crowd of those who watched him actually being taken up into the heavens after seeing him risen from the dead. And it says that uh, Luke, Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, says that Jesus walked with him for 40 days, explaining the kingdom of heaven to them after the resurrection. And so now he's writing things to us and telling us a little bit about how powerful the tongue is. And of course, we're going to find a Korah. This is what's cool about the Bible is that even though there's 66 different books and many different authors, there's agreement from the Old Testament to the New Testament. From Genesis to Revelation, there's agreement because the Holy Spirit is moving through the pens of the writers. Uh, And so that's what's fun about it. So even what he's saying here corresponds with what Solomon or those who were writing the wisdom literature would have written about how that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And so the tongue is a very powerful thing. And then he says there in the wisdom literature and the Proverbs that, that we will eat the fruit of our tongue, right? So uh, Jesus said that we will be justified or condemned by our tongue, by our words, which is a very powerful thing. Uh, Because what I think that means is, what I think that means is that uh, not that Jesus will justify or condemn you, your tongue predetermines your works and our works will be judged. The word says, this is Paul, the apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said that all of our works are going to be tested by fire. He said that the works that are the works that correspond with righteousness, those works will stand. But the works that don't correspond with righteousness, they will be burnt up. And when Paul is explaining this stuff, he's not saying that some people, he's not even talking about making it into heaven. He's talking about the people that make it into heaven, they still will have their works tried by fire and so some of their works will it will be proven that they weren't they didn't correspond with the righteous leading of the lord does that make sense so but when i when but, but when jesus says that we will be justified or condemned by our words i think what he's saying is our words are so powerful in terms of the way they affect our future And the way they affect our whole being, our words are so powerful that our words will actually predetermine or determine what will come forth in our works. And so that will be that which is tested or tried uh, when we stand before the Lord. So this says, though, uh, that... That even though there might be forces pushing on our lives, uh, like like strong winds from a ship. anybody ever had forces pushing on your life? Part of part of uh, part of what we learn in in our classes is that we have we talk about twelve doors, twelve doors into our heart garden, and uh, we've spent some time on those. And if you did not catch those lessons, uh, just come, keep on coming back through or grab them on the audio version. Uh, but we talk about hurts and abuse. We talk about family lineage. Uh, we talk about uh, spiritual influences. We talk about trauma. And uh, kind of the list goes on and on, right? So, uh, and we might say that those would be, those, those would be illustrations of pressure. We're excited about another day of the Restored Life radio show, and just to remind you, we're here to rebuild your foundation. We're here to help you overcome the problems of life that tend to sabotage our destiny. God has something great for you. God has a higher, calling a higher place for you. And God is one who restores us to plan A, restores us to what he's intended. Restored Life Radio, Restored Life Institute, we're here to help you learn how to get back on that right course. So what we tend to do, we tend to, uh, and uh, I'm not, I'm not talking like... uh, I'm not a we. I'm talking like a we. we're, We're all we's. Are you a we? I'm a we right now. What we tend to do is we tend to talk out of the frame of reference of our circumstances, superimposing our circumstances on our identity and our future. And we tend to not learn, claim, understand or lay hold of the promises of God that belong to us in and through Jesus. And that's also reflected many times in the way that we talk. For instance, we will say, I just don't know what I'm going to do. You follow me? So when we're going through circumstantial difficulty, this is maybe like an illustration of of uh, the pressures of adverse winds uh, blowing up our lives. If you have adverse, if you're steering a big old ship, let's say you're, you're driving the Mayflower and you're, you know, 10, 20 miles offshore and there's 50 foot. Uh, so there's like, you know, 50 foot swales and there's wind, right? Should you let go of the wheel? Should you allow the wind to do what it wants to do? Or should you continue, you know, Uh, on course. You've got a compass because you continue on course. So here, here he says that the pilot will steer the rudder wherever the pilot desires, wherever the pilot desires, right? So this is a breakthrough. This is, this is breakthrough information for you psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, physically, in every way a key to breakthrough for you is right here out of the scripture for me for all of us is that where do you desire to go? Where do you desire to go? Where do you desire to go? not where does your enemy desire you to go, not where does circumstances desire you to go where did not not where does pressure want you to go not where does uh, the curse, which is at work, you just, it, you don't have to be a Christian to understand the curses at work. You just go to the fertilizer store and you'll see they're selling plenty of weed control. There is a curse at work. And if you don't work hard to reverse the curse, then thorns and thistles and rust and decay and corruption will take over your life, right? So you don't have to be a Christian to see that. But the cr- question is, where do you want to go? Wherever you want to go, your tongue is the rudder to get you there. Now, what that means is, is that your tongue, your tongue has to contradict the pressure that wants to take you off course. Your tongue has to contradict. Now, here's the other thing that James says. This is very interesting. If we go back over to the passage... So also the tongue, verse 5, is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. Behold, how great a forest is set aflame by a small fire. And the tongue also is a fire. The very world of iniquity, the tongue is set among our physical members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is itself set on fire by hell. <laughs> How's that for pretty strong language? Huh? For every species of beast and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea Is actually tameable and has been tamed by humans, by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. (laughs) So, guess what? There's only one way to tame your tongue. You have to yield it to the Lordship of Jesus. You cannot tame your own tongue. You have to. Bring your tongue under the subjection of Jesus. Now, that's why the last three weeks before we got to this lesson, we talked about renewing your mind. We've been talking for three or four weeks about renewing your mind because it's your thought life. It's your thought life that is the key to your talk life. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, that we are in a spiritual warfare. You're in a spiritual battle for your own soul, your prosperity, your future, your influence, your destiny. You're in a spiritual battle. And he says the weapon of your warfare is not physical. The weapon of your warfare is spiritual. And it happens in your own heart, or the victory does, as you bring every thought, argument, imagination, pretension, as you bring those things under the obedience of Jesus. He uses army terminology. He says you have to bring those things captive, bring your thoughts captive and make them, make you kind of check your thoughts out while they're happening. By the way, it's possible for you to observe your thoughts while they're happening. You have peripheral vision within you. You can see bad thoughts coming before they even get there, and you can stop them before they arrive. Or you can throw, you know, a teaspoon of sugar at them and feed them and allow them to come. Right? So your thoughts begin to dictate your talk. And your talk dictates your life. By the way, your thoughts don't dictate your life. You won't be judged by your thoughts. You'll be judged by your words. Because your thoughts don't create, your words do. Your your words are actually spiritual power. that either create good or bad. They either create life or death. Your words, your words, our words right here, we have very few things in common with the spirit realm, the fourth dimensional realm. We have very few things in common. But one thing that we do have in common with God himself is words. Words are the very seed of life in both realms, the spiritual realm and the natural realm. God's realm and our realm. Words are the essence of the genesis of all things, evil and all things good. So if you think a bad thought, by the way, if you think a bad thought, the thought you thought may not come to pass. And the thought that you thought could be circumvented. But if you think that thought a few times, you'll commit to the bad thought. And when you commit to the bad thought, you'll start talking about the bad thought. Thanks again for tuning in to Restored Life Radio. We're so glad that you're with us. Restored Life Radio is brought to you in part by New Horizon Church. New Horizon is a church created for your restoration. We meet right off of the freeway in Fife. Exit 137 Central to the whole Puget Sound. Join us at New Horizon this weekend and come and visit our website, www.newhcc.com. That's newhcc.com. Come and discover a new horizon with us. If you want to call us by the telephone, 253-922-1502. We'd love to hear from you, love to connect and get you to the Restored Life seminar. Now, one of the problems is in life is that we grow up not knowing the Lord. We grow up outside of Christ, outside of the word, outside of truth, outside of the new creation. We grow up in our families not knowing um, the essence of the goodness of God. So then we grow up very familiar with the vernacular of an unclean world. So, and depending on How we grow up. Of course, when we grow up, also, the biggest wound within us is the wound of rejection and inferiority. So, since that's the biggest wound within us, we seek to please those around us. We need approval. So, one of the ways that we get approval with those around us is to talk the way they talk. So, if they're talking, caustic, then we start talking caustic because we want to fit in. If they're talking bitter, then we talk bitter. If they talk doubt and unbelief, we talk doubt and unbelief. If they talk sickness, we start talking sickness. If they talk with profanity, we start talking with profanity. If they talk with exaggeration, we start talking with exaggeration. We're like chameleons who want to fit in because the biggest wound that we have is the wound of rejection and inferiority. So we might not even have a philosophical or theological basis for the way we talk. But what's happening is our talk to fit in is programming our mind. And the two of these things are working always in tandem, always in harmony. And so we begin to see life and frame life through this negative perspective and negative reference. So where do you want to go? Where do you want to go? You will turn your whole body, your whole being, your whole ship, uh, you will turn it the, wherever you desire. By the way, if you are talking, if you are talking, uh, however you're talking, okay, this is the way the spirit realm works. However you are talking, the spirit realm is not very smart. Okay, The spirit realm is actually a seed realm. You have to think of it as a big garden bed, Dirt does not know to reject seed. That's not the way dirt functions. You follow me? So if you throw weed seeds in a garden bed, it doesn't spit them out. It just figures you meant to, that's what you meant to do. The way the garden works, it cooperates with what you sow. And that's what words are. Words are seeds. There are scripture after scripture after scripture that tell us that words are seeds. Luke eight eleven tells us that the word is seed. 1 Peter one twenty one through 23 says that the word is seed. It also says that God's word is incorruptible seed. And it actually says that we are born again of God's word, which is seed. The word actually tells us that Jesus is the result of seed that Jesus is the Word made flesh. And what is the Word? The Word is seed. And all of that makes sense because uh, within a seed, though a seed could be small, within the seed, there is the, the DNA, the power to bring forth what is hidden in the seed into full maturity. That's why if you just sow a small seed of bitterness, it has the power to bring forth A full-blown harvest of bitterness because within that small little seed is the DNA to replicate not another seed, but a full mature harvest. That's why if you sow a little seed of poverty, uh, sow a little seed of sickness, if you sow a little seed of depression, if you sow a little seed, you follow what I'm saying? That's why when you just say a little bitty thing like, I guess this is just my lot in life, I'm just observing what I've gone through. There's no harm in saying that. Oh, really? You just released something into... Now, the garden, the garden is the spiritual realm, The garden is the spiritual realm. Hebrews 11 is very clear that God spoke everything into existence, Hebrews 1 and Hebrews 11, both of those passages, very clear. God spoke everything into existence, and all things that are visible have come from that which is invisible, the Word of God. The Word is just so powerful, and so uh, we we have to realize that when we say something, when we speak something, when we declare something, that we are releasing the seeds of that thing to bring forth after its own kind. There are, there are ways to process. There are ways for us to process our struggle. There's ways for us to process our doubts. There's ways for us to process our fears, our discouragement. There's ways to process it that do not give it the power to recreate in the future. And I think you'll see, you know, you see David practicing some of this a lot in the Psalms. It's the holy, uh, it's the holy uh, conjunction. You know, God, I am overwhelmed. God, I am distressed. God, my enemies are pursuing me. But you are a shield to me. But you are my, my victor. You are the glory and the lifter of my head. You are my protection. So you'll, you know you'll see you'll see some of this in the Psalms, um, and so there are ways to frame uh, our plight and at the same time elevate or glorify God. Romans chapter four is an excellent passage about this, where it says that Abram Abraham later he considered his own body as good as dead. But yet he did not waver with unbelief. But he grew strong in faith, considering that him who made the promise was well able to perform. So you can consider your circumstances. But when you consider your circumstances, if you if you yield to your circumstances, again, when you start yielding to your circumstances, And maybe you've decided or assumed that that your circumstances are God's will. Uh, So this is part of our, uh, in my opinion, uh, part of our errant theology. You've been listening to Restored Life Radio. For more information on the Restored Life Institute, contact us at 253-922-1502.